0: Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm host Brad Hammond, and today I have Ben from Crossing Minds. Ben, it's really nice to have you on. Nice to be here, Brad. Absolutely. I'm really excited for today's discussion. So maybe you can tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who you are, what you're up to, and a bit about your company and what you guys are doing. Yeah. Well, it's
1: nice to be here the week between Christmas and New Year's. My name is Ben Cruz. I'm the head of sales at Crossing Minds. We are at Crossing Minds in the business of showing retailers and D2C companies the right items and content when they arrive on a site. So we're a software startup, been in business for the better part of the last three years. And we build custom recommendation software that helps retailers, streaming platforms, and primarily Shopify merchants, in fact, show their users a great experience when they
0: arrive on a site. That's awesome. I love it. So let's dive into what sales looks like. So what are some of the key goals as we head into next year when it comes to sales growth all this so- Well, let me provide a little bit of a context. So I've been with Crossing Minds
1: for the better part of the last year. We're a startup. I joined shortly there after we received a Series A funding, and primarily my task over the last year was to develop and implement a go-to-market strategy. And as a startup who's done a really good job of building a world-class product, bringing that to market, there's a lot of moving parts and pieces. And so for us over the last year, really our main goal was to really understand our customer, thinking about uh what industries they play in, what their problems are, and how we are uniquely positioned to help them. Identifying our ICP over the last year was probably the biggest key to our success. And once we understand sort of the companies we want to work with based on the industry, the size of the company, and maybe the tech stack that those companies have, where we're obviously having integration or something along those lines, then it starts to become who are the buyers at those companies what motions do they go through how do they sort of identify solutions and how do we best position ourselves to be the solution to to their problems so we spend a lot of time thinking about the icp and then the buyer personas within those icps and what problem statements they have and then the value hypotheses essentially our approach to how we help them solve those problems really identifying that. And that's what helps sort of shape our messaging, whether it be on the marketing front or the sales front, in terms of how we want to communicate with those very specific individuals. So that's what we've been thinking about for the better part of the last year. And that's what's helped sort of formulate our our strategy.
0: Absolutely. That's awesome. So you've been working for the last year and kind of ironing out, go to market, buyer persona stuff, needs, pain points, all that. And then as you've gotten that ironed out, has the has it shifted kind of like building, scaling the team, doing outreach? What's like the next path ahead going to look like for you?
1: Yeah, once you once you get an understanding of who your customer is and how you want to communicate with them, then it's about effort. Then it's about actually going out and having the conversations, and whether it's getting in front of the. Well, it really just comes down to how do you get in front of those customers that you've identified with the messaging that you think is going to resonate. We have a philosophy that you don't know anything until you test it. And, mm. and so for us, a big thing is you know everything from cold emails to cold calls to LinkedIn messages to advertising that we might put out on Google or LinkedIn or industry publications, things like that we're always looking for signal from our customers in terms of what is going to resonate. And so uh, a lot of the last year for us has been taking these value hypotheses. What do we think is the message that's going to resonate, putting it out in the ether, so to speak, and then seeing what signal that we get back from those customers. And I think one of the interesting things is that the feedback that you get isn't always what you expect. It's actually really interesting. We We sell recommendation engines, so we build custom recommendation software for customers. And when when you show people on a D2C website, a place where people shop online, when you show them items that are curated for their unique taste profile, truly one-to-one personalization, we find that that produces incredible conversion results. In fact, most of those little carousels that you see on the bottom of the screen actually will convert, help convert six to twelve percent more users on a shopping site wow. than would be if they if they weren't there. When you personalize the items or content that are in those carousels or on the product grids or at checkout, and those items are tailored to the, each user's individual taste profile rather than say a cohort or just most popular items, whatever. We've seen that that can increase conversion for some companies over 100% on their website. 100%, wow. Amazing. So we had this hypothesis yeah. in 2022 that just go out and lead with the statistics. If we just go out and tell customers, you can double your site conversion or, hey, we've never had a Shopify merchant that saw less than 54% increase in revenue when they deployed our recommendations on their site. We thought, wow, that would resonate. It turns out that... When you're bringing a product to market that nobody's ever heard of, and you come with some sort of astounding result, most people don't believe you. (laughs) So we had a little bit of a challenge to figure out uh, or to how to modify our message and say, okay, well, if it's not the result that is going to be compelling out of the gate. What other things do our buyers care about that we do really, really well? And we found that the makeup of our team, our ability to be very transparent with both the implementation process and how our algorithms are built was really compelling. We found that the credibility of being backed by Shopify and some of our other partner network was really impressive to our prospects. And so, Leading with those messages rather than the results was a really interesting learning experience for us. But we wouldn't have ever figured that out if we didn't test it.
0: Yeah, it's really surprising. And in terms of like the leading with the results, what did people say? Like, they're like this can't be real. Like, uh, like type of thing. Like, well, what was that response <laughs> in sales and
1: marketing? I found that what people don't say is almost as good an indication of what they do say. Mm. And so when you go out and you deliver your first 3,000 or first 5,000 emails, and your response rate is less than a half a percent, and that half a percent that does respond says, hey, no, thanks, not interested. They're not giving you a bunch of information. They're not saying, "Ah, you know what, your email was too long or, hey, you know what, thanks, but no thanks. And, you know, you probably should have led with this, that and the other thing. You're not getting that specific signal. So for us, it was what are the value hypotheses? Let's say we've got six or eight value hypotheses. Things that we do for customers that are solving problems we know that they're likely to have. And we're going to go out and we're going to send a thousand emails that sort of have this theme in mind. We're going to send a thousand emails that have theme number two in mind. And we're going to see sort of what are the open rates? What are the click-through rates? What are the response rates? And then uh, knowing that those different themes might resonate with different people. So it matters how you map your buyer profiles. It matters what, what value hypotheses you put in front of different buyer profiles and it, ma- it matters how you sort of test the messaging as it as it goes out. And we keep track of all that stuff. We keep track of, of course, the email channel, but LinkedIn, phone calls, etc.
0: Absolutely. And in, in terms of those channels right now, are you finding one to work particularly well or better than others? Or are you just using a combination of LinkedIn, phone, email, all that stuff?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think for us, there's no one strategy that that's a silver bullet. I think you have to do everything, but you your goal is always to meet the customer where they're at, and you just don't know where they're going to be. I will say that in addition to your typical outbound avenues, we have had a lot of success with events, industry events, like your larger traditional trade shows and conferences. In fact, we're going to NRF in New York, which is National Retail Federation in New York City in January. We're going to a large retail conference in Palm Springs in in February, but we've also had a lot of success doing some of these smaller, more curated, intimate events. And I think the key to that, that event strategy being successful is, at least for us, has been getting an understanding of who the participants are at that event before they go and Mm -hmm. doing our best to engage before and after the event with with Uh. all of those participants. We've had a lot of success, especially with the smaller, more intimate ones of of actually being able to get signal some of these events the attendees will and we do this with shop talk where the attendees will sort of give vendors like ourselves an idea of the things that they care about hey here's my budget here's sort of my top five priorities for the year here's sort of the kinds of technologies that i want to take a look at and and we'll be able to sort of align with the things that we know
0: that they care about ahead of
1: that conference that's been great
0: yeah it's really interesting if I'm another uh, you know, sales or marketing leader out there listening, and I'm like, Hey, I might want to try this event strategy. Where did you guys start on this? Is there like certain industry organizations for each space that organize these? Or where, where can you start out there? Yeah, I mean, Google's not a bad place to start
1: any type of discovery or, or search. But for us, what we did was we talked to our customers. We said, where are you guys going? Uh, Mm. What kind of events are you attending? And then we looked, you know, after we sort of spoke with our customers and said, hey, where are you going to be? Because we want to find more people that look like you or more companies that look like you. Then we look at our integration partners. So other technology companies in our ecosystem who we partner with, what sort of events do they go to? What kind of success do they have? And that's going to lead us to, like I said, your e-tails, your NRFs, shop talks, those types of organizations. And I've found I've worked in both HR technology and I've worked in both retail and te- retail technology as well. In each industry, you find these groups, these event companies that have specialization and their ability to draw industry experts and buyers to, a, to an event is crucial. So probably is going to
0: be largely dependent upon some group or company that has expertise in a particular industry. Absolutely. Let's talk about the upcoming year. There's a lot of changes happening right now with everything, the economy, all this stuff. What are some challenges maybe you anticipate might happen in sales? And then what are any strategies, tweaks, changes, things you're doing to prepare for those? Yeah, I
1: talked to a range of leaders that run software companies, and there's a range between, hey, it's going to be okay and complete Armageddon in 2023. Then all that is that you've got buyers who are a lot more conscious about expenses. And the companies that are going to be successful are going to be ones that, that solve problems that companies are focused on finding solutions for it in the near term. It's not the nice to have solutions. It's the need to have solutions that are going to rise to the top. And I think the companies that that win are going to win because they're easy to do business with, because they communicate clearly, because they have great in terms of software companies. We find that one of the most compelling things for buyers is just how do you implement your software? Help me feel Mm. good about this not being a nightmare when I put my name on the dotted line. So a lot of times, just your ability to quell concerns about implementation and being transparent every step of the way about what's going to go into the delivery process, what is going to be required in terms of time, resources, knowledge base on the user side to be able to successfully implement and get returned from the software that we're implementing. What are we going to measure How often are we going to measure it? How am I going to be able confident that the results that I'm getting back are A, accurate, and B, going to inform how my strategy changes throughout the year? And I think that at Crossing Minds, we're very focused on, yeah, the technology is great. You know, we have a great product. We know we have a great product, but what's going to make us really successful is putting on the white gloves and taking care of our customers when we implement the product. And so a huge part of our sales strategy is just simplifying and communicating very clearly everything that's going to be done on the client side once we get a contract in place. Absolutely.
0: Well, Ben, thanks so much for sharing all your wisdom and insights here. Really appreciate it. And uh, lots to take in from this episode and very insightful. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Brad. It was good, uh, good coming on. Good talk with you.
0: Absolutely.